0: Hello listeners, Beyond the Mask in conjunction with NBC RNA is pleased to announce that listening to our podcast can earn you Class B credits. For more information on how to submit
1: them, go to our website.
0: Welcome to Beyond the Mask. I'm Jeremy Stanley and I've been working with CRNAs for over 23 years and I'm married to one. And my co-host is Sharon Pierce. Sharon's a practicing CRNA for over 20 years, a past president of the ANA, the NCANA, and she's held many other leadership roles. As usual, our goal with every episode is to educate and enlighten CRNAs, and I think our topic today is definitely going to do that, and Sharon, what time is it?
2: It's time to wake up, Jeremy. I
0: think it is. All right, Sharon, it feels good to be back in the studio again.
2: I know. I love being in the studio, and eventually, whenever you get all the stuff done so that the cameras can roll because I am liking my new light.
0: Yeah, it's funny. I have to be careful what I say to you. You know, I didn't realize, you know, the other day when I sent you the text and I'm like, I've got the cameras and the lights set up now and I put new Room darkening <laughs> drapes in the room as well. And then I thought about it afterwards. I was like, oh Lord, if Pierce gets that, he's going to go. What? Is I'm going to be about? getting a really bad call from him.
2: Or oh. if I ever run for office again one day.
0: Oh, yeah. There you go. Don't let that get out. Don't let that get out. So, oh man. So you got to be careful these days. Yeah, it's, you sure it's kind do. of the moral of that. So, all right. Well, I think we've got another great episode lined up. Oh. Something that's interesting that you didn't even think about, no, you said, which I is did not. amazing to me. We have Miss Erin Martin with us here today. Welcome, Erin.
3: Thank you. Yes.
0: Yeah, so Erin is the director at the Mayo Nurse Anesthesia Program. Correct. Correct.
3: Yes. Yeah. I have worked at the Mayo Clinic for 20 years and part of the nurse anesthesia program for about 10. And then in July of this year, in the middle of a pandemic, um, (laughs) assumed the role of program director, which was in and of itself an interesting interesting time to transition into a new role.
0: Which kind of leads us into our topic, right? I mean, the impact COVID has had on nurse anesthesia educational programs are things that maybe a lot of CRNAs haven't really thought about. You know, I think you kind of get past school and you're like, it's over with. And And I'm like, I don't ever want to think about (laughs) that (laughs) again. Um, But, you know, my wife works at a teaching institution as well. She's at Mm -hmm. Baptist. And, you know, so she has experience with that. But, you know, I think that a lot of CRNAs who aren't at teaching institutions probably don't think about it. I think it's a great topic.
2: Oh, wait until you hear all the things that they've been having to deal with.
0: I can't even imagine. So, Aaron, why don't you tell us a little bit about, you know, why you think this is important and and things that maybe we're going to get to here?
3: Yeah, so I think it is really important. I think that the small things and that necessarily weren't small to us, but things I think, as you mentioned, that people didn't really even consider that were impacting nurse anesthesia education. And, you know, when it comes down to it, nurse anesthesia education absolutely affects nurse anesthesia practice, affects our profession it affects the whole community of nurse anesthesia because we're the pipeline right Absolutely. Um, we are you know getting the next group to come in and and join the profession so i think the changes that covid-19 have imparted on even minor things within our educational programs you know has the potential to have a pretty big downstream impact on the future workforce. And I think it's really important for people to understand whether they work in a teaching institution and consistently work with students or not, because eventually these will be colleagues who were educated or maybe entered into the the world of nurse anesthesia at a very unique time in our profession. Unique,
2: unique is Yes.
3: <laughs> it's
2: a nice Definite word for it, unique. right? <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, you know, it's exactly the way you say my mentor Linda Williams, a past president of the AANA, a famous quote of hers is students are 10% of our numbers but 100% of our future.
3: Absolutely.
2: Ah, Isn't that a good. wonderful quote? That is. Can't believe she's yeah. friends with me, can you? <laughs> 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 well, talk to us just a little bit about Even program admissions and things that you've had to deal with just in that whole process.
3: Yeah, and I think I should start this too by, you know, letting you know that I'm speaking from the experience of, of being involved with one nurse anesthesia program, but I can tell you that on an every other week basis, I meet with the program directors from the other nurse anesthesia programs in Minnesota, one program director from a program in South Dakota and one from a program in Wisconsin. And it's very interesting because as we meet and talk about these things, I think that what we've experienced is really universal to nurse anesthesia programs across the country. So I would... Imagine that as other educators listen to this, a lot will resonate with them. So, again, speaking from my experience, but I think it probably is fairly universal, you know, it really starts with the admission process. And we've had a fairly stable, same process for admission for many, many years in our program. But little things like the fact that interested nurses who were wanting to apply for nurse anesthesia school couldn't get into testing centers to take their GRE. Now our program still requires the GRE, but for this year we had to make that optional recognizing that testing centers were closed. And so that was mm, a uh, wow. what seems like a little thing. Yeah. But you know it's one of those oh my god who would have ever thought about that. Kind of a thing. So we had more than double the normal number of applications to our program this year than we typically see. And I think a large piece of that was because the GRE was no longer a required component mm-hmm. of our application. Another thing with admissions, we had to leave our admission window open a little bit longer because we recognized that many students couldn't get a hold of their college transcripts that we require uh, for oh admission God. because
0: oh, wow. yeah. registrar's were offices were closed. Yeah. Wow.
3: Yeah. So these little things that you wouldn't think about were like, oh my gosh, we need to think about how we're going to handle this because Hmm. we can't get Jerry's and we can't get transcripts and what are we going to do about that? So that was interesting. So I think it's important to understand, you know, in the greater community that selection criteria may have required some alteration on the parts of many programs. Wow. Yeah. And then our interview processes were also... Greatly impacted. We have always done in-person interviews that included a campus tour and kind of a day to spend with the applicants. And we had to do everything virtually this year. So we missed out on that campus tour, which is often where you can kind of observe things you know, in an interview when people maybe aren't quite in the, the hot seat of being asked a question. And so it was a whole different process for us. And I think we potentially could have missed out on some of the nuances that we may have gotten from the more informal portions of an interview day that yeah. we just didn't have the luxury of having this year with virtual interviews.
0: Wow. So many ramifications to this mm-hmm. that you don't even really think That's about. Well. Aaron, what do you think maybe has been the biggest overall challenge in this for you?
3: of COVID overall, I think probably the switch to, we had to pivot very quickly. I think that has been one of the biggest challenges is how quickly this all happened. Yeah, You know, all of a sudden within a week, it was pull everybody out of clinical rotations, no students in clinical, pulling back from wow. all clinical sites. And oh, in addition to that, deliver all of your content in a virtual manner, <laughs> which we hadn't done previously. And the unknown, I think that's the big piece. I listened to another one of your shows about the mental health impact of COVID and the guests talked about the fact that so much of this is unknown. And I think that, especially with, you know, these type A people who really like to know what's happening, not only tomorrow, but a year from now. Right. Not knowing and the fact that the truth changes every day. You know, it's kind yeah. of living in this world of, well, this is the truth today. This is right. what we know today. But mm. tomorrow we may know something else. And so working in an unknown world and having things happen very, very quickly, I think was a a big challenge for us. Like I said, pulling students out of clinical and then thinking about how are we going to get them their clinical numbers, right? Because they've got to have these numbers to graduate. Our students were out of clinical for about 10 weeks uh, where they couldn't be in clinical. And then we needed to fill that time with quality educational experience and content. Mm -hmm. So we had to kind of move portions of our curriculum that maybe wouldn't have been delivered until the winter up to the summer, do it all virtually. And then once we could put students back into clinical, figure out how to rework all of the clinical rotations so that they could meet required numbers for graduation.
2: Now, so how did you, a you lot.
3: guys deal
2: with lack of PPE or was that even an issue for you guys?
3: So at first it was what first we didn't know, you know, that's one of those unknown things, you know, right away, for one thing, our surgical volumes were reduced greatly. So we really didn't have the the surgical volume to support anybody else. But then the PPE issue was huge, because we thought we can't have anybody in an operating room that does not need to be there and potentially waste a mask, Right. right? So we were fortunate, because of where I work, Mayo Clinic, we have a lot of resources, that PPE we found was not as much of a shortage issue as we anticipated. So once we knew that, we were able to reintegrate students back into their clinical rotations. But getting all of these students, we have 104 students in our program, um, getting them all up to speed on donning procedures, doffing procedures, where do you store your N95 when you're not using it, where do you pick one up in the morning, all of those procedures. We had great cooperation with our clinical partner And, you know, people made simulations. We had all of our students go through donning and doffing simulation before we could get them in for their fit testing, before we could safely say they were ready to go back into the OR. So keeping them up to speed on the daily, literally daily changes. You know, today you're going to wear your N95 for every case. Well, by the next day, you only need to use it on aerosol generating procedures. And by the next day, you only need to do it for this. I mean, it literally was a day by day change as many people in practice experienced as well.
0: Wow. And then how do you communicate that? And I want to, I want to go back for a minute because, you know, you've mentioned the mental health side of this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would be interested. I mean, nurse anesthesia programs are tough anyway. It's a tough mm-hmm. program. And, you know, you're dealing with people who might have other things outside of their life and things that come up. And, you know, I've heard stories of of SRNAs over the years, and I have many friends that are, you know, also in the clinical side of things and the educational side of things. And, you know, I'd be interested to know how, from a mental health side, did you help your 104 students deal with this? Were there any resources for them throughout this process? And probably not early on, um, yeah. yeah.
3: We, again, working at a large teaching institution, we do have resources like EAP programs and right. student services and things like most places probably have through right. their clinical partners or their academic partner institution. But we worked very hard and it was something that we were acutely aware of. We started, the minute this happened, we started having weekly town hall meetings with our students, yes. um, where we would all gather via Zoom or a platform that we use within our school and have a weekly town hall. And it's interesting. We have continued to do that. Even though students are back in clinical, we still are doing everything remotely for our didactic content. Okay. But we have started to do, we've maintained these weekly town halls. And sometimes it's 15 minutes where we check in and they have questions or we have information to share. Sometimes it's longer. But that definitely has been something that we have have done. Some of our courses we've done even an evening Zoom where people can you know, be in their pajamas and yeah. a little bit more casual, but just more of a check-in. Yeah. But it's definitely been something that we've been very, very acutely aware of. We've really tapped into a lot of the AANA wellness resources. Great. We have an annual, it's usually an in-person dinner where we talk about substance use disorder. We recently did that in a virtual fashion which was interesting we require that the students all bring a loved one along to that meeting huh. because we think it's really important that mm. the support know people the know the signs mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, absolutely. as well makes sense. Yeah.
3: and so we developed a handbook that we sent out to everybody so a lot of these things that we normally would just kind of chat about in person we had to formalize and do differently but well, i think we're going to hold on to some of that yeah
0: i was going to say I those are good things
3: They're really good things. And I will tell you that we have found that there are pieces from this that we have had to adopt that I think we'll hold on to even when we are all back in the classroom. We've increased some efficiencies. And I think things like we're recording all of our lectures now, which we didn't do before. Students love it. Oh, absolutely. go back and rewatch. Oh, I um, would love that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and plus, in this age group, you know, the technology and being able to to do it on your time and go back and do it. And, you know, I think that's amazing.
3: Absolutely.
2: Well, you know, whenever I I had to go back and take a statistics course because it had been 28 years.
0: Did you even remember what that was? Statistics.
2: (laughs) So, you know, it was virtual. (laughs) And so the lectures were online. And mm-hmm. it was just voiceover PowerPoints. And at first, I thought, I'm really not going to care for this. Mm-hmm. But I could watch them over and over. And I, I had to switch to being an auditory learner mm-hmm. whenever I was in anesthesia school because I had small children. Yeah. And I used to tape on a little mini tape recorder of the lectures and just yep. listen to them over and over because I couldn't sit yep. and study. And so what I would do is I would play those lectures in the car because I drive so much, mm-hmm. and I would listen to them over and over. Whereas yeah. if you're in a traditional classroom, you get one yeah. chance, one shot. To get you're it. done. Jot yep. it mm-hmm. down.
0: I remember college well, doing that. So yeah,
2: yeah. So I I think that is a a positive outcome yeah. of it. But let's go back for just a minute and talk about they were out of clinical for 10 weeks. What are the repercussions besides the obvious? But I'm sure that Council of a Cred yep. changed a few things and simulation yeah, they, probably became big. I don't know. Give us yes, give us yes. a synopsis.
3: Yeah, so the council was, you know, very astute in realizing, holy cow, this is not business as usual anymore. So, I think the council did a great job, frankly, in recognizing, okay, what can be modified? And what can't be modified? Because the you know, the main point really is that we've got to make sure that students who are graduating are still as competent, as skilled, you know, as ready for practice as they would be in the absence of COVID, right? right. I mean, the bar can't be lowered because no. of this virus. Right. And so I think that the council did a great job of not, you know, lowering the requirements of hours or cases or any of that, but recognizing that we gotta flex a little bit here. And so they did change some of the amount of experiences that could be obtained via simulation, recognizing that students may not have the opportunity to obtain all of those numbers in real life. So that was a great thing, but I think it's important for people to recognize that students who are graduating in the next year or two likely had differences in their clinical experience. And so I think for employers and you know practices When they see this new grad coming, they need to be cognizant of the fact that, you know, maybe a student normally would have had 10 central line sticks on a live patient. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they may have only gotten five, you know, when they're coming in because of the limitations and the ability to be in the clinical area. So I think it's important for the greater CRNA community to recognize that there will be differences. I don't think we know for sure what they are, but there may be differences in what students are coming to start their first mm. positions with.
0: Yeah. That's yeah. And I mean, point. there could be good differences and bad differences, you know, depending upon the situation as well. So,
3: well, I think oh. we are going to see a group of, you know, entering the workforce that are very resilient. Yes. And that is the Valid. one thing that I'm hoping I have two sons who are 11 and 14. And, I'm telling you, the amount of flexing and bending that these kids have yep. had to do and are really doing fairly seamlessly, it's, yep. it's kind of amazing. I just think, man, they are going to be so ready for an unpredictable world Yeah, because they've been forced to be. But I think there will be benefits to that. And I think we will see that in our new CRNAs, our newly graduated CRNAs. I, I think agree. we're going to see that they're, mm. they can pick stuff up quickly. They're going to be ready for that, you know,
0: the what's change. the truth
3: today kind of mentality. Yeah, yeah. I think it'll be good
0: yeah but yeah, there I will agree. be differences yeah that absolutely. I think
3: remain to be seen
0: I mean, you know, for us, you know, a little more seasoned, this has even been good, as hard as it's been. Uh We've never really lived through anything like this before. You know, I was talking to my wife over the weekend about it. You know, I remember seeing whenever SARS and the bird flu was around, you know, you you saw pictures, and then everywhere you go, if someone was Asian, they had a mask on, and you're like, why do they have a mask on? I know. You know, and then now that we've directly experienced that, it just changes that whole idea in your head. And you're yep. right. I mean, as fast as this came on and all the changes that happened so quickly and day to day, and I mean, we're still experiencing, we just don't know what to believe day to day. We're all adapting what's going to happen. Day-to-day. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I mean, but we're all adapting and, you know, ultimately I think that'll be a good thing in the long run because I, mean, I think some of us too. got so caught up in just life is just this way every day. Ultimately, I think there'll be some good things that come out of this.
3: Well, we've all been forced out of our comfort zones, yes. you know, with a catapult. And so I, um, <laughs> a I, worked, good
2: point.
3: <laughs> I worked call on Memorial Day weekend, and I remember thinking, I'm going to die. I have not. So because of our students not being clinical and enough, having to convert all of our program to virtual and teaching a lot more didactic than we normally did, right. our faculty were in full-time on in their faculty roles for about two months. And so I hadn't been in the OR. And then my first shift was call shift on Memorial Day weekend. And I thought, (laughs) oh, my God, I don't know where to get my N95. I've watched all my little videos. I've done my simulation, but I haven't done this yet. And it really gave me a good feeling, frankly, for what these students must be going through when they're new students again. So I think it actually forced us all to – I just had to stop and remind myself the anesthesia is still the same you're just doing it with something different on your face and you're doing it through a shield but the anesthesia is still the same and so even for those of us who've been at this for a while I think this has been a good test for us Yeah. and maybe helps us maybe empathize with our students a little bit more of what it's like to kind of feel unfamiliar in the world that you're so used to Yeah. and maybe we can as as providers have a little bit more empathy for our learners in our, our new CRNAs.
0: I want to come back to that point in just a minute the empathy okay. part of it But but you know I mean, other things have changed. I mean, here we've got a group of students who didn't get to experience midyear or A and A annual congress, so they couldn't go to their state meeting. And yes. you know, so many relationships are formed there, and mm-hmm. so many, so many wonderful mm-hmm. people who are involved. And you, you might be able to pick their brain and talk to them, or, or just get yep. to know them for future reference. That's or not happening. It, it, or get
2: indoctrinated.
0: Or get indoctrinated. There you go. I, I was I was going to leave that to Aaron, but yes. So Aaron, talk. <laughs> about that a little bit, you know, because I think that's a big hole right now. It's
3: huge. This is where, and we in our program, and I think a lot of programs actually really do a great job of trying to hook them, right? When they're (laughs) students, you know, in our senior, in our Mm -hmm. students' senior year, they all have the opportunity to attend annual Congress. Some attend mid-year. They're all required to attend our state association meeting. And these are really the opportunities. They disseminate their research. Um, They meet other students you know, you have them come to those regional breakouts and they really kind of get the fever and you can see it, right? They're seeing these people who, they're seeing, you know, Sharon Pierce who does the podcast. They're seeing the people who have written the books that they're reading out of. And it really is a great way to have them get involved and understand the benefits of being involved in their professional organizations and and hook them. And I do worry, you know, they all attended the virtual meetings, but they were as good as they could be, but it's not the same. So I think that there is going to be a greater need for mentorship. And, you know, people who are listening to this, I really hope that as practicing CRNAs, we recognize that students and newly graduated CRNAs coming to join your practices may not have gotten hooked yet. And so it's really yep. going to be our responsibility, I think, mm. to share with them this information, take somebody under our wing, say, you know what, let's come up to this meeting with me. Yeah. Um, let's go because they haven't gotten it in school.
0: Well, it was already an issue, you know, I mean, and Randy was on with us, I guess, not too long ago. And, you know, that zero to five out is a problem for the ANA, not being a member, not wanting to join. Where's the value? They're not communicating right. with me the way I need to be communicated with. And I know the ANA is really working on this, but this doesn't help that oh. cause either. So, um, Yeah,
3: not at all. And And again, I think that's something that we as practicing CRNAs might need to be a little bit more deliberate about is having those conversations with students and yeah. with new grads.
2: And with CRNAs, and hopefully, you know, CRNAs will hear this podcast and be like I was whenever you and I first had this conversation about this topic, mm-hmm. and, and it's, I call them my duh moments, duh, why didn't I think of that? Yeah. But it makes perfect mm-hmm. sense when you say it. So many
0: ramifications, mm-hmm. I mean, that you just don't think of. Well,
2: um, you know, Kimberly and I, my friend Kimberly that goes to Yale mm-hmm. with me, we've been talking and she thinks that the newer crowd will like this virtual platform you know baby boomers like myself and borderline xers and you're an mm-hmm. xer don't like that i mean we want yeah. the meetings yeah. you know i want to see aaron martin doing the polar plunge for the pack <laughs> in minnesota that did happen I, last year yes, it did. yes you did and i donated to see you jump in <Yeah>.
0: But yeah, I mean, you're you're just so right. But I mean, I mean, back to that, what even what Kimberly's saying, I mean, does that. You know, even all this remote learning and these remote meetings, it still removes you
2: mm-hmm. from
0: that situation. Yes, we can do yes. it. You know, we can we can interact with one another right here. But the warm and fuzzies and the, you know, maybe you know I see Sharon Pierce speak, or you know I hear Juan speak, or, or somebody, anybody mm-hmm. that is one of the great leaders in this organization that you actually get to know and you have a conversation and find out why they're involved. You know, and now you've got this group that, well, you know what, I can get out, I can make my money, I can kind of do all my CE now remotely, and Mm -hmm. you know, what I need to get to that meeting for, and gosh, you know, really, why do I even need to be a member? You know, so I can see some of this Mm -hmm. dialogue that Mm -hmm. could happen, and, and we've got to get a handle on how to change that dialogue um yes. and how to get them involved and it might be opening up opportunities remotely that somehow build that God, wanting just, to be part of it i don't know yeah
2: it's going it's going to be hard but i mean have your new students that you just brought in have they ever even been in a room together no
3: they have. Wow. And I, so this is, huh. this led me to this Is I think that people do, you know, we like the ease of, you know, going to class in our pajamas and doing all this stuff. And there are those benefits. But I will tell you, we onboarded a new cohort of 26 sRNAs in July, and they have never all been in the same room together. Um, We had to do their onboarding completely virtually. And usually we have a, we call it an immersion week where we're all together and we do an evening dinner and we do this and we do tours and all of this kind of stuff. We haven't done any of it. And they are really, really missing it. I mean, they keep saying, when can we be together? And so as much as I think they live much of their lives in this virtual screen-based world, we are human beings. And yes. I think human beings inherently like presence, physical right. presence. Yeah. And so, you know, as quickly as we can, we're bound by our institution that we can't have groups of greater than 15 people in one room for anything right now. So gotcha. even our graduation ceremony in January is going to have to be virtual and all of these kinds of things. But I'm even thinking that you know maybe near the holidays we may need to bring them in even in groups of 6 yeah. you know spread out but at least be in the same room
1: right. um
3: which is another point that i will say is something i think the greater world doesn't maybe understand about these small group things we are still allowed to bring people in i mean you can't teach somebody how to start an iv over a screen right i mean we've got to have some hands on so for labs and workshops we are doing those in person but we have to do them in small groups so what we may have done with one group of 26, we are now having to do with, you know, four small groups, which means four times the space, which means four times the instructors or four times the time. Mm. So,
0: Another Have a little patience
3: there. with your educators because they're working, <laughs> you know, a little extra hard here having to do these things three and four and five times instead of just once. Yes.
0: Yeah, so, I mean, what, I, what I'm hearing is, you know, what I notice about, you know, we go to a lot of the, the SRNA programs and in the professional aspect. But what I notice about these groups is there's a sense of community. There's a closeness mm-hmm. with your with your classmates and there's this camaraderie because they're together and they're experiencing this, you know, this really life-changing event all together yep. and they feed off of each other and yep. you know and how do you build that sense of community when you're not together?
2: True. I mean, some of my classmates from my anesthesia program. I mean, oh, Jerry yeah. Hogan. You guys still hang out, yeah? Jeez. I mean,
0: I still yeah. call
2: Jerry when I'm driving down the road, and you know, I drive for two hours from Garner to Lexington, and yeah. the next thing we know, two hours are yep. gone, and yep. So, and we've known each other for thirty years now. So, yeah. I, even going to school at Yale, it's a hybrid program. So we were going up there once a month, and we haven't been together. We have a group chat, and everybody is saying the same thing. Gosh, I miss miss yeah. all of, all of yeah. you guys. So I can't even imagine yeah. how it that It will be, be
3: interesting to see. You know, this will end, right? Absolutely. I mean, it's yeah. all bleeding stops. Isn't that what we say mm-hmm. in, yeah. uh, in the world? <laughs> We're in the <laughs> OR. But this will stop. But it will be interesting to see, you know, if we have a group of, a cohort of students who has never been together for a year. Right. Right. How and is that going to be different? Exactly. How will their experience be different than those who were together from day one? You know, if you had the, if, if we all had the time, it would be a fascinating study. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, we should all be studying this like from the outset because we've got these cohorts. Right. We could do a great cohort study on, you know, the group dynamics of people who were in one room versus only on screens. And I mean, it's fascinating. It will be different. I will say, though, it's been really fun to watch how this camaraderie is being built in a virtual world. Mm-hmm. In this group of 26, it's already emerging who's kind of the joker of the class, ah, okay. who's the question asker, who is the detail person, right? There's always going to be somebody who finds the typo in the syllabus <laughs> um, and point it out to you. But, but you, those Sharon roles Pierce. are all coming together <laughs> and kind of that team formation stuff. I was just teaching a leadership class the other day and we were talking about Tuckman's theories of team formation and group formation and and those steps of you know storming and norming and all of this, and it's happening even in a virtual world, which hmm. is really fascinating to me.
0: That's very interesting. It's almost like this whole psychological study that's happening in our country right now. That
1: oh, in well, real know, time, in
0: real time, yeah. We don't and yeah. we don't know what the ramifications no. are. We don't. Um,
2: everything is a social experiment right yeah, now it is yeah.
0: it really, Going we're really living grocery stores a, social is a social
2: experiment, <laughs> experiment. <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean you are not not kidding so uh-huh. we have a lot of nurses who listen to our podcast because they're interested in becoming nurse anesthetist and mm-hmm. god bless them for being you know a forward thinker and trying mm-hmm. to get familiar with the profession but what would you like to say to any of the nurses that are listening about applying to anesthesia programs in this difficult time?
3: Yeah, that's a great question. I think this is something else that we're seeing that is a difference. I know many anesthesia programs require a certain number of shadowing hours as part of their application. And so they want to see that somebody has shadowed, you know, 10, 20 hours in an operating room with a CRNA. And right now, we aren't able to offer those shadowing opportunities in our institution. And I think a lot of places aren't, Mm -hmm. right? So one thing along with kind of those differences in admission processes is I think we may see over the next year or two students who are entering into our programs who have not had the exposure to the operating room environment that we're used to seeing. So programs may need to do a little bit more of a basic we're going to take you into the OR for your first time ever, because maybe they haven't had an opportunity to get in and shadow because of restrictions. So I think that's something that interested nurses may not have the opportunity to do. I would suggest to nurses who are interested in this, that they should really kind of start immersing themselves in nurse anesthesia literature, look on the AANA website. The AANA has a thousand, you know, videos about a day in the life of this, or what is this like, or they've got their, I think it's their Thrive series, which is about, you know, so you're thinking about anesthesia. Those kinds of resources, I think, are more important now than ever, because the opportunity to partner up with CRNA for a day and go to the OR may not exist. So, Look for the resources that are out there. Read articles in the AANA Journal to familiarize yourself with the practice and the profession because the one-on-one in-person stuff might not be there.
0: Yeah, I think those are all good. You know, my daughter is in nursing school currently, and and Mm -hmm. she either wants to be a CRNA or a PA. She's still Mm -hmm. wavering back and forth. Let us talk to
2: her. Well, you know, she
0: she wants to do something. Give her my number. (laughs) She wants to do something in the surgical arena. If she went to PA, she'd be a surgical PA. But, you know, and she has shadowed. You know, obviously our resources, (laughs) She shadowed, and she's been in, Mm -hmm. and she understands, and she loves the anesthesia part of it. But you know, even for her, you know now that can't happen, and you know I just wonder if there, there are kids out there who might be wavering which way to go. Mm-hmm. Does it lead them down a different path? Because this is yep. such a specialized area. Mm-hmm. And then yes. you know we had a we had a young lady who wrote in to us what this week mm-hmm. and I forwarded it to Sharon, and she's in high school. And is interested mm-hmm. in nurse anesthesia and wanted to know if someone could talk to her about the career. And, of course, Miss Sharon Pierce jumped all over that and is going to yeah. talk to the young lady. She's but, already sent me an email. Oh, that's great. So yeah. she's a go-getter. You can tell. So, Good. But, you know, yeah, I just wonder, you know, how do we reach out to that group in this environment and say, you know what, if you've got questions, and maybe it's a AA and a thing, we'll set you up with a CRNA to talk to about this career. Yes. You know, so, I mean, maybe doing That'd things that. would be a like great
3: that. double a a thing.
0: Yeah. Um,
2: there you go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Randy so, needs to listen to that. We'll tell
0: Randy. Send him a text. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, but again, back to our thoughts earlier is, you know, the empathy part of this. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one thing to get across here to other CRNAs is remember how hard anesthesia school was for you, but also dealing with this mm-hmm. on top of it, you know, show some empathy to these students and, and really maybe go a little above and beyond. What, what do you think about that here?
3: I think that's exactly the case. Anesthesia school is hard. And I think the further out you are, you kind of, it's like after you have a baby, right? You forget how bad it was. If, if we didn't have yeah. a little bit of that amnesia, we'd never have more than single child right, families. Right. But but I think anesthesia school is kind of the same way. You're out for a while and, and you kind of forget what it was like. And sometimes I think we when we welcome students in, you know, it's a little bit of that hazing ritual. You know, I learned it this way, so you're going to have to as well. And, and I think for everybody to just stop and think and respect the fact that these students are not only doing this new kind of scary high stakes thing, they're doing it through a shield and with an N95 on and with a gown and they're Mm -hmm. trying to, you know, start their first art line through a face shield that's fogging up you know, it's, it's, there's just a lot, there's a lot, you know, room turnover can't be as fast as it used to be because we have to have seven air circulations in the operating room to make sure that 95% of all of the, you know, droplets are cleared. And I mean, all of these things, (sighs) they're having to think about a lot more than just the, you know, intubating dose of succinylcholine. So there's a lot more that they have to have in their toolkit right now to figure out how to do this job. So the learning curve is steeper. And I think that for practicing CRNAs, preceptors, to be very mindful of that is essential for us to be able to adequately welcome these people into the workforce.
0: Yeah, such a good point. And, you know, I mean, the surgeons who've missed out on months of revenue and now they're trying to make up mm-hmm. for that and they want that room turned oh. over as quickly as possible. And now you've got yep. this student in here who really doesn't exactly know everything and you've got a CRNA yep. who's trying to help them. And, you know, the surgeon's upset and everybody wants this done and they're nervous and yep. their their glasses are fogged up because they got their mask. I mean, you know, it's just yes. all these things that, uh, all of it. that go through your mind. Wow. So, but, you know, things you don't think about until you're there.
2: Or, I mean, you know, it doesn't seem to impact you because I I don't work with students. and Right. um, Exactly. So, yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah.
2: All great information. Have you got any concluding thoughts you would like to impart to our listeners before we wrap this up?
3: You know, I don't think so, except, again, just, you know, having that understanding. I hope that this has been an opportunity to just kind of open people's eyes a little bit to, wow, I never thought about, Mm -hmm. you know, how that is impacting the educational world. And from the perspective of the educators, you know, that it has been, you know, I think everybody everybody's been working harder. You know, everything's taken twice as much effort and time and all of that. And and that certainly has extended to the educational programs, the people who make the requirements, you know, even things like standardized testing, the C exam that students take for a long time testing centers were closed, right? So students couldn't maybe take those C exams as normally scheduled, we ran into that. So just I think an appreciation for and awareness of the wide reaching impact that this has had, not just on the practice, which is what we focus on so much, but getting people ready to practice as well, I just think is really important and helps us all, I think, have a broader, more comprehensive understanding of our entire workforce, CRNAs and students.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think this is a great topic. I'm glad you and Sharon put this together, and, uh, yeah. and I think it'll be well-received for sure. Good. Um, it'll be good, good information to get out there. So, Aaron, thank you great. so much. Thank you Thanks for being for with having us me. today. Absolutely. You did a great job. And, uh, good. Thank you. We're thankful that you gave us this opportunity and have this great information for our listeners.
3: Well, I appreciate the invitation. This is super fun. I'm a I'm a big podcast nerd, so <laughs> when I told my kids, "Guys, I'm going to be taping on a podcast, Yes, they were like, mom. So yeah, lots of excitement around this house about this today. So oh, that's
0: great. That's well,
2: we'll great. have to have yeah. you on. again. said so that they that's right. Oh,
0: well, I would yeah. love to. Honestly, I uh,
3: the generational stuff is of huge interest to me. Social media stuff is really interesting. So if you've got another topic, this is super super fun. So yeah, you, let me you, know.
0: You put that out there, Aaron. So we're we're gonna I keep did, We're I gonna mean, keep you on the hook as, to use it. your good. words. Keep you on the good. Hook, so. it. Good.
2: I'm <laughs> riding get on the list right uh, now well Sharon please I think, do I, I
0: would love it <laughs> I think that's a wrap
3: I okay so. alright thank you yeah. so much you guys we
0: want to thank our listeners for listening to Beyond the Mass with Jeremy Stanley and
3: Sharon Pierce
0: if you like our show the single best way to help us out and help us grow is to tell others you know Sharon we're in the top 50 medical podcasts in the country right now and we want to go to the
2: top 10 I mean
0: we want to go to number one but Absolutely. we'll settle for the top 10 yeah. right so tell others about us And also leave us a review, but only if it's
2: positive. There's
0: enough negativity in this world, folks. So until next time,
2: it's a wrap.
1: Like what you're hearing? Be sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere you'd like to listen to shows. Also be sure to check out beyondthemaskpodcast.com. Each episode is posted there with a corresponding blog post, and we timestamp important parts of the episode to help you quickly get to the content you're looking for. Also check out the special series section on the site. You can follow along and catch up on the CRNA History Series, episodes specifically about political conversations in the industry, or try the CRNA personal finance series. It's all on beyondthemaskpodcast.com. And if you have a question for the show or want to be a guest or even suggest a particular topic, fill out the contact form on the site or send an email directly to us at info at Podcast.com. And lastly, let's take the conversation social. Check out our Beyond the Mask podcast Facebook page and Facebook group.